So, Matt, I, I started a new job a couple days ago. No kidding, really? Yep. I'm, uh, I'm working in a factory that's testing cat flaps, uh, you know, the, the cat flaps indoors. Uh, I'm okay. testing them with my toes, and I'm just doing that just to get my foot in the door. <laughs> oh, my God. How did I not see that one? <laughs> God. <laughs> Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam. And my name's Matt. Now, pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable. Because this is Graveyard Tales. <laughs> all right, Matt. How you doing tonight, brother? Man, I well, I'm doing all right. I I don't have any complaints. <laughs> well, I, that's I, good. I, I was thinking, God, I got something to gripe about. Yeah, I don't. Well, <laughs> I do, but let's just say car problems suck. Oh and man, leave it you at got that. plenty. Yeah, you got plenty. I got plenty of car problems and not enough money to take care of. (laughs) (laughs) Story of my life. Um, But first off, before we get into it, wanted to say thank you to tonight's sponsor, Care Of. Um, Be sure you guys go and support our sponsors. That's kind of what keeps us doing what we're doing. Um, So go check out the Care Of Vitamins. Um, Also, we wanted to ask you guys a quick question. Would y'all be interested in another live event? If we were to do a live event here in Nashville somewhere um, in the surrounding areas, are there enough people around here or that would travel to here that would want to come? So if you'd be interested, hit us up, you know, email, Facebook, Twitter, all that. Hit us up. Let us know if you'd be interested so we know whether to try to get one going or not. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, we had such a good time at the last one we did. We uh, we'd love to do another one, um, but we want to make sure that you guys would love us to do another one. Right. So um, there's a lot of a lot of planning involved. Um, you know, finding a venue somewhere that can hold all you guys um, and is willing to let us kind of take it over. You know, for a couple of hours. So, uh, so yeah, we're just putting out some feelers. Let us know if this is something you guys would, would like to see. And, uh, if we get a pretty good response, we'll do it again. Absolutely. Cause like Matt said, we had a blast. Um, I, I know I did for sure. That was, that was fun for me. Um, and we thank everybody that came to it, had a good time too. So, yeah. you know, we're, we're just looking to do it again. We've got some new equipment on the way that will, allow us to do a better, probably more fun show. Yeah. Um, but that's all we got uh, for the intro today. So, Matt, why don't you tell us what we're talking about tonight? Okay, so tonight we're going to talk about uh, a local creature um, along with some similar creatures um, from, you know, around around the U.S. and other parts of the world. Tonight we're going to talk about the Tennessee wild man. And we don't mean me. <laughs> <laughs> He's a Texas wild man. Yeah, that's true. See, He's I, I, living in Tennessee. We, we don't mean me at all. That's right. And and we certainly don't mean me. No. So, 
And it, it this is not an episode of Hello from the Magic Tavern where we just got <laughs> weird stuff going around. So, this, <laughs> yeah, sorry, been listening to them today. So that was on my mind. So, you know, like Matt said, we're we're talking about the Tennessee Wild Man and other Wild Men. So let's get into kind of describing what it is. Um, and if I sound like I'm talking upside down today, it's because I changed my <laughs> mic. Um, <laughs> so I literally looked at this and thought, did he move his mic so that he could read at the table? Or is this what he's going with? Yeah. And then, That's yeah, what he's going with. This is what I'm going with. Um, so it may, I don't know how it'll come out in product to you guys, but it may sound like I'm upside down. Yeah. What, um, <laughs> What if what if everything Adam says is backwards? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just play it in reverse, and we're summoning demons. <laughs> like an how'd you do that? Well, I just turned the mic upside. Yeah, I mean it's it's easy. That's how they how they did it on the Ozzy albums and stuff. You know, and so <laughs> it's an old Black Sabbath tree. <laughs> All right. All right. So, what is the Tennessee Wild Man? Well, there have been a lot of groups of people over the years that have like gone out hunting for mm-hmm. the Tennessee wild man as people do for Bigfoot as well. Um, but the origins of the Tennessee wild man go all the way back to the 1800s. And there's one story that it's a circus freak showman that somehow captured this beast and put him on display in a cage to where everyone could see him and all that. Um, he supposedly has either dark gray hair or dark ginger hair. Um, he's about seven feet tall and is always accompanied with piercing red eyes. Now, he, he's known to spout this disturbing war cry that frightens anyone that hears it. And he also has this really horrid smell, kind of like the stories of the skunk ape, um, which we'll probably touch on at some point in so- the future. If you find one, bathe him in tomato juice. Exactly. <laughs> get that get that skunk ape, skunk ape smell off of him. Um, there are rumors that say that the wild man is actually arch enemies with Sasquatch. And if that's so, I'm not a big fan of the wild man because we all know I like Biggie. We had, but, to, make, well, we had to make a comic book. Hey, that would be fun. <laughs> Bigfoot versus the Tennessee Wild Man. Wild Man and Biggie. The Adventures of Wild Man and Biggie. Uh, <laughs> well, now it sounds like they're Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid or something. Like well, they, they, yeah, that's true. They rob banks. and but, Well, how do we know they don't? This is just hearsay. True. You know, they could be the bank robbers all over the country. We never know. Um, but, yeah, they say he fights for territorial rights with Sasquatch and all that. So... You know, there, there's been stories of him in local lore for a long time. Um, the wild man apparently possesses great strength, agility, and speed. And he's said to have this strange targeting obsession where he will target dogs and women. Um, many women have come out to say that the wild man has attempted to snatch them up and carry them away. But it's suspected that he's always been unsuccessful with that. Now, we wouldn't know if he succeeded. That's right. <laughs> you know. We wouldn't have those stories, you know. Well, we might have those he stories. He successfully abducted me. Yeah. We might have those stories, you know, if they if they ran off and ran off with the lady and then she came back. But we never know. We might never know, Matt. That's right. 
Um, so we might never know any of this stuff. No, that's a valid point. <laughs> well, we might when we die. We can just change the name of the show to stuff we may never know. <laughs> <laughs> I just that made me think of the other, obviously the other, and then I was trying to make a pun on the uh, stuff they didn't tell you in history class. Yeah, but I couldn't think of one, so we're just going to leave it at that. That yeah, was okay. my failed attempt. Um, one of the first articles that, or the earliest articles that Matt and I were able to find, was published on Friday, May fifth of eighteen seventy one, and it's in the Hagerstown Mail. So the article talks about this strange sighting of a strange and frightful being. So the article says, we learn that between Sobby and Cranesville on what is called Piney in McNary County, Tennessee, a strange and frightful being has been observed for several weeks. He is said to be seven feet high and possess great muscular power. His eyes are unusually large and fiery red. His hair hangs in a tangle and matted mess below his waist. And his beard reaches to below his middle. Where's his middle? <laughs> Which part is it? Anyway. Middle his, of what? Yeah, exactly. To below his middle. Middle belly button. Yeah. Well, know, that's what I'm going to guess. Middle hip bone. Yeah. He looks like a seven foot gnome. There you go. There you go. It's like uh, Gimli, but really big <laughs> Gimli. Uh, it's like if you stretch Gimli out. Yeah. just Or take the actual actor who played Gimli. And not shrink him down. That's right. Because yeah, um, he's like real tall. Yeah, he's almost seven feet. So <laughs> back to the article after yeah. our tangent. Um, says his entire body is covered with hair and his whole aspect is most frightful. He shuns the sight of them, but approaches with wild and horrid screams of delight. Screams of delight. Every woman who is unaccompanied by a man. He sometimes with great caution approaches houses and should he see a man, he runs away with astonishing swiftness, leaping the tallest fences with the ease of a deer, defying alike the pursuit of men and dogs. He has frightened several women by attempting to carry them off, as well as by his horrid aspect, and the whole country around Sabi is in consternation. I love words like that. <laughs> the citizens... They use them a lot back They then. do. The citizens are now scouring the woods and are determined either to capture or drive off the monster. So that's one of the first articles that they printed about the Tennessee wild man. And that's from 1871. Um, but like we're talking about the, do you think they they actually spoke like that? You know, in the 1800s, do you think they actually said words like, you know, they were in consternation or do you think that's just, no, because I think it's like it is now. Literary work. Yeah. You you read an article written by somebody, they're going to use language that you wouldn't use in everyday speech. That's true. That's true. They're, it makes them sound smarter. Yeah, they're fluffing it a little bit. I don't know. Word fluffers. So I can't imagine somebody using in consternation in a conversation. Oh, that sounds like a song lyric. <laughs> <laughs> a little less consternation, a little more conversation. So, Sounds too much like constipation. <laughs> that's valid. Um, so Matt has some other articles that we were able to find about the wild man. Yeah. So just a few years after the article came out in McNary County, uh, on November 2nd of 1878, the Knoxville Daily Tribune ran an article about 
one Dr. O.G. Broiler of Sparta, Tennessee. He's a real O.G. doctor. That's right. <laughs> now, Dr. Broiler had come into town for an exhibition of sorts. Now, his claim that he had hunted and captured a wild man who had been living in the Cumberland Mountains for at least 18 years. Now, only physicians and special guests were invited to view and examine what would become known as the Tennessee Wildman. Now, the article goes on to give a very detailed description of this creature's appearance, his eating habits, and his behaviors. So, this is from the article from the Knoxville Daily Tribune uh, in 1878. At a distance, the general outline of his figure would indicate that he is only an ordinary man. Close inspection shows that his whole body is covered with a layer of scales, which drop off at regular periods in the spring and in the fall, like the skin of a rattlesnake. He has a heavy growth of hair on his head and a dark reddish beard about six inches long. His eyes present a frightful appearance being at least twice the size of average-sized eye. Some of his toes are formed together, which gives his feet a strange appearance, and his height, when standing perfectly erect, is about 6 foot 5 inches. A nervous twitching of his muscles shows a desire to escape, and he constantly is looking in the direction of the door through which he entered. His entire body must be wet at intervals, and should this be neglected, he begins immediately to manifest great uneasiness. His flesh becomes feverish, and his sufferings cannot be alleviated until water is applied. At times he is dangerous, and yesterday morning, when Mr. Whalen, who was like the manager of this whole little show, attempted to place him in a wagon in which he intended to bring him to the theater, the strange creature acted in the most mysterious manner, refusing obstinately for some time to get into the wagon. He has quite a sharp appetite, having eaten a meal yesterday morning that would have fully satisfied at least four men. With the exception of fish, his meals are all prepared in the ordinary way, but the fish is eaten entirely raw. Dr. Broiler says that when alone, he will sometimes mutter an unintelligible jargon which it would be impossible for anyone to understand. But the, in the presence of visitors, he remains perfectly silent. Yesterday afternoon, from one to four, a private exhibition was given and a number of physicians were present, among them Drs. Brady and Carrie Blackburn, who said that he was a great curiosity. Dr. Blackburn said that his scaly condition could not be attributed to any skin disease, but undoubtedly... He was born in that condition. So, so yeah, a, a little a little bit different. Yeah. So it, it's almost like they've done like reptile or fish mm -hmm. Sasquatch hybrid yeah. is what they're talking about. Yeah. But, you know, for an article to run like this and with these doctors being called out by name. It, it would have to, all of this would have to be a complete farce. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, they would either be just some, an individual trying to sell this, you know, as I'm going to write this piece about this and it's going to seem legit and I'm going to make up these doctors, you know, because the general public isn't invited. 
Right. So there's nowhere for them to go and check this out. So we can say this, um, you know, or it's, it's a situation where, um, what these doctors saw was greatly exaggerated by the paper, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, straight out fabricated, right. You know, and printed in the paper, um, or it was legit. It really happened. You know, there really was some unknown creature that was captured by this Dr. Broiler and put on display for physicians and, you know, special individuals to come and examine. Right. To see what they could determine. So we don't know for sure. There's no photographs. You know, there's no artist renderings of what this creature looked like, you know, in a cage or how he behaved. No plaster casts of feet or anything like that to show the webbing or. Yeah. But if you believe that this was true and that this something like this really happened, it it seems like this creature is intelligent to some level, you know, maybe not, you know, at the level of a human, you know, with, you know, their own language or anything. But, you know, it obviously had some type of ability to speak. Mm hmm. You know, even even if it was in like low guttural tones, it had a language of some sort. Right. So, you know, it would make you think that he wasn't a one off. Yeah. That it just, you know, they just they caught one of many. Mm-hmm. And. You know, who knows? I mean, you know, that, you know, animals, animals learn to communicate with one another, you know, even verbally. You know, even if it's not in English. Right. You know, so you would think that a creature that behaved this way, you know, came from some type of group. Yeah, family group or something. Yeah. And like you said, it doesn't, with that knowledge of that he had some type of language base, you wouldn't think it would be some genetic malformation of, you know, a, a weird creature. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it could be a human malformation, yeah. but if that's so, then we would probably have other cases of things that look like that in medical textbooks. Yeah. You would think, you know, could this have been a human with some type of condition, you know, that maybe drove him mad, you know, and he. You know, he he had a he did have a skin condition that in 1878 doctors didn't recognize. Maybe his skin became that way because he was living in the woods and mm-hmm. fungal infection. Sure, something. I mean, you know, maybe you know, maybe he had you know eczema. You know, yeah. I mean, psoriasis and, and, really and, bad or something. And water uh, soothed it. You know, who knows? I mean, we could sit here and speculate on this all day, right? But. If you're if you're gonna if you're gonna believe in the the idea that this really happened, you know you, you're you're gonna have to buy into a lot of other stuff. You know that there were these creatures that they could have been captured, and that somebody could actually keep one long enough to put it on display. Right. You know, so it, it's asking a lot, and and it is from 1878. So I'm I'm sure that. You know, there was a lot that just it was misunderstood. The fact checking back then wasn't (laughs) 
what we have non-existent. Um, you know, so like you said, they could have made a lot of this up for their local papers. I mean, hey, and nobody would have been able to know the difference. That's right. You, if you want to sell some newspapers, you know, put a story like this in there. Mm-hmm. It ran on a Saturday, which is also, um, you know, I, I thought was curious. At first, I thought, oh well, yeah, an article like this would, of course, run on a Saturday. You know. No big news story, you know. We're going to put this in here, um, but it also seems like a Saturday would be the right day for people to read an article like this and be like, "Oh, wow, look at that!" You know, we, we got to find more more about this, mm-hmm. or, or there's wild men in these in these mountains, and we, you know, maybe we need to we need to buy some more guns or something. Right. You know, we need to protect ourselves or bring right. our dogs in at night. But, you know, the one of the weird things is that there wasn't just a couple sightings. Right. You know, they, they've had sightings of the Tennessee wild man for years. Yeah. Decades. And, you know, so, some of them, if, if you go back and you read some of the older ones, they sound a lot like Bigfoot sightings. But one thing that is kind of different from Bigfoot sightings is that the Tennessee wild man seems to be much, much more aggressive and much less afraid of human beings. Not that Bigfoot necessarily is, but what you read in actual documented Bigfoot sightings, what I'm and what I mean by that is, you know, some somebody has. A, a sighting of something and it fits all the criteria to be counted as a Bigfoot sighting. When you read those, most of the time it, it realizes that it's seen and it begins to leave. Mm-hmm. It's not afraid per se, but it's almost like it's intelligent enough to go, you're not supposed to see me. Now, so it, I'm going to leave. It avoids human contact rather than, Coming up to humans like the wild man does. Right. And so, you know, with these wild man cases, you know, these stories usually go along the manner of we were chased. Right. (laughs) This thing came after us. You know, we wandered into its territory and it was protecting it. Mm -hmm. Um, You you don't hear that as much with Bigfoot. So there, there are some differences. But, you know, there's enough similarities to make you wonder. Could this and Bigfoot be the same creature? Sure. You know, it, sure. again, you got to buy into the fact that there's creatures out there. Right. You know. And so you've got some more recent stories, too, not just from the 1800s, right? <sighs> yeah. So if we if we move all the way up to 1981, now we're, we're still in Tennessee here. I mean, you know, these these Tennessee wild men, they're 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 predominantly East East Tennessee. And this one comes from Rockwood which is a small town in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. Now, Frank and Mark Epperson moved to Rockwood just before Frank began high school. Now, their mother was a Cherokee woman, and she would warn the brothers about the woods, telling them stories from Native American folklore about a wild man that roamed the forest surrounding the area. Now, in December of 1981... The boys were coming in from a day's work, ready to sit down for supper in their mother's cabin. Now, while eating, discussions turned to a recent 
to recent disappearances of local animals, especially dogs. Now, around 7 p.m., the Epperson's report that they began to hear a disturbance outside. The dog began to bark, but they describe it as a fearful bark, as if he was wanting to get away from something. So believing that there was someone lurking on their property, Frank grabbed his pistol and headed outside with Mark following behind. Now, expecting there to be a burglar, the boys split up to flank him on the left and the right. Now, Mark recalls going around the back of the house, up to the tree line, and it was at that point Mark noticed the foul odor. Then he saw it, a large creature standing upright like a human, holding a dog. Now, Mark remembers that the dog was whimpering, and he could see fear in its eyes. The creature turned and ran, fearing that the beast was headed directly for his brother, um, Mark started to give chase. Now, hearing his brother's warning, Frank prepared to meet this creature face to face. So Frank steadied his pistol as the beast approached. As it neared, it let out a scream that the Epperson's describe as a war cry enough to make your hair stand on end. So this this is all still consistent with, you know, the earliest stories of the Tennessee sure. Wildman. Now, the creature moved as if to lunge at Frank, and Frank said he fired his gun twice. It backed up, then screamed, and, and Frank describes it as it was screaming at me. You know, right. like it it knew, you know, what I was doing. And said Frank even in the interview said, he even wondered if it realized he was armed because of the behavior. Yeah. So, again, that's something that shows intelligence. Sure. And the creature then it moved back into the woods and the boys turned and ran back to the house. And they knew right then that they had just encountered the Tennessee wild man. So, you know, this story is is probably like one of the two classics that go along when you start looking into the Tennessee wild man. Right. Now the other one, the other one comes just 20 years ago, roughly roughly. Yeah. So this was the last known sighting of the Tennessee wild man, at least the last one that's documented. Mm-hmm. So in Elizabethton, Tennessee, Rob Phillips, who is a paranormal investigator, along with his cousin, were on a night hike to Bee Cliffs. Now, I, I don't think that Rob was a paranormal investigator when this started. I think they were teenagers or young adults. Yeah, but he now is a But he now is. Yeah. And, you know, who knows? You have an experience like this, it may just say, hey, I think I'm going to be a paranormal investigator. I mean, I mean it would mean, too, you know, if, if That's you right. see something that curious in the woods, you're like, I'm going to figure out more about this, <laughs> you know, exactly so. Right. So. So it started to rain. They noticed something strange in the forest. Everything had been completely had become completely silent. So like there weren't bugs there weren't other animals, you know, it just it, they're just the noises you normally hear in the woods. had stopped. And we hear that with big like paranormal sightings or whatever where everything around the party that's experiencing it will go silent. Yeah. You know, and you see it 
depicted in movies and stuff like that. And I've heard it called the Oz effect where just all the, the, the crickets and the, the leaves blowing and everything. It just dead silence. Yeah. And that in and of itself would be creepy. Oh yeah. But you're right. I mean, you do hear that very common, almost like the wildlife knows. Yep. Oh, we got to chill out. Yeah. Oh crap. Hush. <laughs> There's something bigger than us here. Yeah, exactly. So, they heard the sound of a twig snapping, followed by a horrible inhuman scream, unlike they had ever heard. So the men fled separately through the darkened woods, with Philip soon finding safety behind a tree. But it wasn't long after that before he spotted the wild man clinging to the nearby tree, about 15 feet away. So Rob heard his cousin make a break for the hill and he followed suit. So in the in the video interview with Rob Phillips, he says he's running and he can hear whatever it is behind him coming after him. But then it stops. And he said he stopped thinking that it had gone another direction or it had just given up. Mm-hmm. But then he says he hears the sound from above. That now this thing is leaping through the treetops. Uh oh. You know, to be able to chase him. Right. And that's when he, he got behind the tree. So yeah, I mean, you know, when Adam mentioned that this this Tennessee wild man is is very quick and agile, I mean, you know, this is almost monkey like quality. Yeah. To be able to go from the ground to a tree and yet continue to chase. Right. Um, just by going from tree to tree. Now, Philip's account corresponds slightly with the initial tales of the Tennessee wild man. He was described as stout, about nine feet tall, with the red beady eyes, a set of claws, and a horrible pervasive stink that Phillips compared to the stench of a dead animal. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there are consistencies. The, the odor, you know, the red eyes. And and the size, which I mean, you've heard varying uh, stories of anywhere from just over six feet to all the way to nine feet tall. Right, right. So, yeah. but you you hear those with Bigfoot. Too. I was going to say those 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 parallel the descriptions we get of Bigfoot. You know, yeah. and it it could be that if there are family groups of these creatures, then it could be you know your the smaller ones are juveniles. The bigger ones are like, you know, dominant adults of the yeah. group. Um, but yeah, all, all of his accounts lined up with all the accounts that we've heard from, you know, historical sightings, except for the scales. Yeah. And yeah. the scales, you know, we'll touch on those a little bit later, but they, that seems to be the oddity of all of these stories. Um, you know, it's like, the bell curve, mm. put them all together, and you throw out the lowest and the highest. Yeah, uh, it's like that. You kind of have to discount that one. So let's say even if it was, they did catch a wild man and they've got him in a cage. Maybe it is a wild man that has a genetic issue that you know eczema or psoriasis or or some fungal disease, but. The majority of them don't. He yeah. just happened to be the one that they caught because he had this 
you know, disorder. It sounds like he's the platypus of cryptids. In a way, yeah. And <laughs> I mean, in you know, some of the descriptions, sure. The, yeah, the 1878 article, at least to me, just it's like, oh, and yeah, and yes, you know, oh, and he had fur. Oh, and he had great big eyes. Yeah. Oh, and they were red. Yeah. They were. Oh, and he had scales. They were just yes anding each other. You know. That's kind of what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. How much more can we add to this? Which I think takes away from the validity of mm-hmm. that article. Mm-hmm. Because eventually, it's just like, okay, how okay, how much more, you know, was involved? Is he sure. is, is he from the sea? Is he yeah. from the woods? What is he? Yeah. You know, you're not you know, giving me you're, a you're, direct you're, path. Yeah, you're painting me a picture of something I couldn't even draw. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, what? Now he's got a tail, you know, all this, you know. So I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it did look exactly like that. We're, we're going to we're gonna talk about another story that kind of parallels that one. Yeah. Um, here in just a little bit. So Right. But, Matt, why don't we use this opportunity, take a quick break, And let's talk about our sponsors real quick, and then we'll get back to it. All right, Matt. So let's talk about tonight's sponsor. Tonight's sponsor is Care Of. And Care Of is a monthly subscription vitamin service. And they deliver you personalized vitamins and supplement packs right to your door, which is awesome. Yes, it is. And Care Of's fun online quiz asks you about your diet, your health goals, the lifestyle choices, and it only takes five minutes to find out your personal scientifically backed vitamin and supplement recommendation because it can be really hard to know what vitamins and supplements you should be taking. But Care Of makes it easy to find out what you specifically need to be your healthiest. And Adam, I just finished my first month of Care Of Vitamins. Right. Now, I got to say, I... I was I was looking forward to it, but I I really thought, oh, this is just another gimmick. But let me tell you, it's no gimmick. No. Forget about those cabinets full of bottles, forgetting to take one out of the three or four that you may take every day, or running out and only having half of the supplements you really right. want to take exactly. before you can get back and get more, or before your order will get to your house. With care of, everything I needed to take was in the easy to take pouch. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have to think about it. I just opened it up. I knew what was in it and I took them every morning. And it was so easy. And I, I, I mean, I loved it. Right. I mean, I, I thought no more opening all these bottles, no more making sure I've got everything lined up. All I had to do was grab my pouch. I read my quote of the day and I was ready to go. There you go. And, you know, like Matt said, the the subscription box is sent to your door every month. So you sign up and they automatically send it every month. So you don't run out and it's easy to take those with you because if you, you know, if you're like me, when I get up in the morning, I'm in such a rush. I don't want to, you know, take time, take my vitamins there, but you don't want to carry those bottles with you. So they're in these nice little to-go packs. You can drop it in your pocket, drop it in your purse, your bag, whatever. And when you finally get to work or wherever you're going, you can do it there. And you don't have to divvy it out yourself. Now, one of the other cool things about Care Of is that a portion of every sale goes toward the Good Plus Foundation. 
And this provides expectant mothers in need with valuable prenatal vitamins. So they've got something for everybody there. Um, The other cool new addition to Care Of is that you can track your progress with the Care Of app. And you can earn rewards when you remember to take your vitamins. So you're not only doing something good for you, for your health, your well-being, your energy, or whatever. You're also doing something good for your pocketbook. Hey, yeah, absolutely. Because you're earning rewards when you do good. Yeah. So you do good, you get some good rewards. And one of the things that that I tried was the uh, the quick sticks. Now the quick sticks are delicious, nutrient packed powders that can be added to your monthly delivery for an extra easy boost whenever you need it. Now, if you're like me and grabbing an energy drink at the convenience store was a way to get you through those afternoon yawns, Mm -hmm. this is a much better option. You know, it's more nutritious. It doesn't have all the chemicals that you get in the energy drinks. It gives you a good, natural, healthy boost to get you through the rest of your day. I really enjoyed it, and I'm going to be ordering more. Yep. And, you know, it it fits in, like we said with the packs, it fits in your pocket. That's right. You know, you don't have to be carrying around a can or a a bottle or something with you all day for that 2 o'clock wall that you hit. Exactly. So take advantage of this month's special New Year offer. For 50% off your first month of personalized Care Of Vitamins, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter GRAVE50. That's G-R-A-V-E-5-0. That's right. Like Matt said, you get 50% off your first month at TakeCareOf.com. Enter the code GRAVE50. All right. So now we're back at it, and we finished up a little bit ago where Matt told us the tale of the Tennessee wild man in the 90s, but we've got stories of wild men from all over. You know, there there are stories of wild men from all over, and long historical stories, you know, from many, many years ago, and, and some from not that long ago, but... The first one we got is from 1877, and it says there's a party of gold miners that are traveling through the Globe Valley in Caldwell County, North Carolina. They encountered what they described as a, quote, wild man. Although they only got within 40 yards of the man, one miner claimed that this peculiar specimen of humanity appeared to be a giant, six foot, five inches. Now, to be honest with you, Six foot five inches is not that tall anymore. I, I got friends that are taller than that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I got a buddy who is, you know, about seven foot tall and, and big boy. So he could be considered a wild man. Um, but apparently he had a funnel shaped head and two inch long dark hair that was covering his entire body. When he spotted the miners, he pounded on his chest before turning and bounding off into the woods with the speed of a deer. The party tracked him with guns drawn to a cave deep in the mountains where they found bones of many animals scattered about, indicating that he had been living there for a while. So this one, it, this has kind of a, a Bigfoot yeah. type 
vibe to it. Very, you know? very ape like. Yes. Yeah. The pounding you know? of the yeah. chest and uh, the two inch long hair covering the entire body. Yep. Yeah. It is very ape like. Um, but again, it was it was 1877. So. In the grand scheme of things, not that long ago, but it, it was, you know, back when we didn't have as many stories of Bigfoot in the, the print media. Mm-hmm. So they didn't have the term Bigfoot or Sasquatch to use, so they called it a wild man. Yeah. So we asked that question again. Is it a Bigfoot that they saw? Yeah. Or is it a different species of something? Yeah. And... And sometimes, you know, when, when we start comparing stories from, you know, the last 30, 40, even 50 years to stories that are around the the turn of the century, you know, from the 18 to the 1900s, mm-hmm. one thing you, you have to keep in mind is that, at least I think, the the reason that we don't get these kind of stories as often is because of industry because in 1878 you know there was a lot of stretch of just land right you know here's a town and the next town may be 50 miles away there's not there's not 47 gas stations between yeah, here and there. a whole lot of unpopulated area. Yeah, there's not a bunch of motels and, you know, shopping malls and all that stuff. It's just land, mm-hmm. you know, and it and a lot of it, I won't say was unexplored, but it was uninhabited. Right. You know, so there was a greater likelihood that if there was a creature like this, you were going to experience it because they had much more area to roam and wander. Right. You know. But now, I mean, you can't you can't hardly go anywhere outside of designated areas that have been kept from this. Mm-hmm. You know, state parks, national parks, you know, wildlife preserves, the the desert, you know, places like that where it's truly uninhabited. Right. You but, know, so we've we've pushed them we've pushed them away. Right, but but even the um uh, wildlife areas, you can still hear human habitation, That's cars right. and stuff like that. So, you know, we we may not even find them in those areas if they're trying to stay that far away from human inhabitation. So the uh, next one of these experiences comes from a, a group of hikers who found a wild man living in, quote unquote, will, wildness and savagery. <laughs> I love that. Oh, yeah. Wildness and savagery in a in a crude structure on top of one of Pennsylvania's most remote mountains. When they attempted to communicate with the man, he could only grunt and wave his hands. You know, I mean, some of these cases, I think you, you probably are talking about, you know, a a wild man, you know, a, a man that maybe decided I've had enough of this life. I'm mm-hmm. going to go live in the woods and they do it so long that it changes them. Sure. You know, if if I lived 20 years void of any other human contact, and I lived off the land and the animals around, and I didn't have to talk. Yeah. You know, I, I might lose the ability to do so effectively. Right. You yeah. know, if someone approached me. 
Yeah, and, I mean, you, and I would probably be scared. Sure, you'd revert back to what they've described it as a feral human. Yeah, you know, because like you said, you wouldn't need to communicate. You you know, you would be self sufficient, self reliant, and like you said, be scared of probably other humans because mm-hmm. you haven't seen them in so long. Right. And these stories are from a time where you could do that. You could just walk out, get lost, yeah. and you know, if if you could survive, then great. You you just out there on your own. Because mm-hmm. um, there was another one, and this one sounds a whole lot more like one of these cases where somebody has just wandered off. But there was a man that was hauled into a New Jersey town by a hunting party, um, and they said he swung through the trees like a monkey with a wild expression in his eyes, but he could only utter the phrase, give me some grass. And he probably from the sixties. Dang it. You beat me. <laughs> to the frickin- Dang it. <laughs> I was working up to that one. Matt. <laughs> so yeah, it, you know, it could be, you know, this one sounds like it could be somebody that just, stumbled out into the woods and and decided to avoid human contact and then somebody found him and drug him in because he was able to speak some human language and right we would assume and we're just assuming this that you know a a primate or another breed of you know human uh, like a neanderthal or something like that wouldn't necessarily know english and since he only knew a little bit, maybe he just lost the ability to talk because yeah. that's one of the other theories about wild men is that it's not Bigfoot and it's not, you know, Homo erectus that has, you know, or Homo sapien that has gone out into the forest and whatever. It's a living relic like a Neanderthal or, yeah, you know, the quote missing link yeah. thing. An, an actual human. But, cause, yeah, because well, I, I mean, where I'm going with this is, it's not a monkey, right? You know, it's not an ape, right? It's somewhere in the lineage of human. Yeah, because I mean, I I haven't really studied this, but I know they can teach ape sign language. Mm-hmm. But I've I've still have yet to hear that they've been able to get an ape to speak. No, because they don't have the the vocal cord structure to be able to form human language. That's right. So. You know, th- this individual could actually say words, right? E- even if it was just a few, right? You know, I mean, I work with people that can only say a few <laughs> phrases, so they're still human. They're though. still human, right? Exactly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> On that note, um, <laughs> here's another one where um, people that encountered wild men respond with. Uh, at best, curiosity, and at worst, vile contempt. And they almost always try to capture the wild man. And occasionally, they kill him. And that's the case in the so-called wild man of Camas. Now, he was killed by an axe by a group of immigrants through Idaho in 1883. Now, after having caught wind of the presence of a wild man in northwestern Nevada, a group of citizens led a posse into his camp. Now, upon seeing the posse, the quote-unquote infuriated demon, which was actually a 40-year-old white man, 
took off running toward the horses, but member of the posse, members of the posse opened fire, chasing him back into the forest. So now, now we have a situation where it actually is a wild man. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, I mean, it's, it's a case where there was a legitimately wild man, mm-hmm. you know, living in northwestern Nevada. And people found out about it, and they were like, "Well, this just can't be. We must have. We must go out and and address this issue." That's typical, as opposed to just going, "Oh well, you know, he's not hurting anybody. Yeah. Just let him be. Let him let him alone." You know, we we're not yeah. good at doing that, though. Yeah, as as a species, as humans, no, <laughs> we are not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> live and let live, guys. Yeah. Just as, as Americans, we're even worse. Yeah, right. <laughs> But yeah, if you see somebody just living out in the woods, leave them alone. Yeah. If they're not hurting you, who cares? Yeah. They but, made the. We're probably the reason they're doing that. They're like, look, I, we're sick and tired of you guys, and I'm moving out to the woods. That's right. I'm gone. You know, I consider that myself most days. The original living off the grid. Exactly. You know, even before the grid existed. Right. There was talk of the grid, and I don't want to be a part of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Going out what, in the desert. Whatever this grid is, I'm done. Um, so, as we said, there are cases of wild men stories from other parts of the world as well, and further back than the 1800s. And one of these is the Woodwos. Now, the Woodwos is a mythical creature that kind of resembles Sasquatch and was around the time of medieval Europe. Now, the term Wuduwasa is is the Anglo-Saxon version of this. Now, the Woodwos is believed to be that link between modern humans and ancient ancestors. So, you know, we talked about the the, uh, missing link for decades. People thought there was one link in that lineage that we didn't know about and this is what they're talking about now the woodwose is said to have a body that's covered in thick hair but unlike bigfoot the woodwose is not thought to be ape-like but more human-like the origin of the woodwose is fairly unclear but some people believe that they are aboriginals of the forest possibly the last surviving in a community of Neanderthals, like we had talked about, or in some parts, they're believed to be originally human beings who moved into the forest. So again, we've got these same theories about the woodwose that we have about the wild men in the United States. There were images, though, of the woodwose that appeared in medieval art, and a lot of architectural creations were depicted with images of the wood was on in medieval European churches. And if you search wood you'll see most of the pictures that you find is from a medieval church or carving or something like that. And it kind of resembles a satyr in body shape, you know, fully hairy, no clothes. But unlike a satyr, it doesn't have horns or hooved feet you know it, it looks like a just a really hairy human mm-hmm. now nick redfern talked about the woodwose and he said according to the old legends that come out of dorset 
The wild man had the regular habit of abducting young girls from local villages, many of whom supposedly ended up pregnant during their time spent in the company of the wood wolves. There was one such incident that befell a particularly young girl who, when questioned by the magistrates about the nature and the name of the father of this child, she replied, Please, your worshipfuls, for the wild man of Yalham. So we have what could be, you know, historically documented cases of a wood or wild man actually impregnating and breeding with humans. Yeah. So that even more says it's a human. Right. You know, it, at least it was a human. Right. You know. Because if, if it were ape-like, the genetics wouldn't it wouldn't It work. wouldn't work. You couldn't breed with another species. So this, like Matt said, this says it's more, if not was a human it's so closely related to humans that our genetics match up enough Mm -hmm. so remember when i said that we were going to touch on this um this old scaly thing again i do remember that so this is the wild man of orford now the wild man of orford he's like many other characters in folklore he stayed away from people he was big and heavy and very hairy yeah common thread through this show Sounds like me, though. But he had a human face, but he could only grunt or cry. Where the wild man of Orford is different is that he came from the sea and was actually caught in a fisherman's net. And this is why the wild man of Orford is sometimes called a merman. Ah. Now, now we have gone full circle. Yeah, right. <laughs> we, we, we started off <laughs> with... Uh, you know, wild humans living in the woods to somebody called a merman and that how that ties into this. <laughs> it's like, all right, we're stretching this, but n- we're not really. The wild man of Orford is sometimes shown in pictures with a fish's tail, although there's nothing about him having anything fish like in the first writings about the event. Now, later ones will talk about webbed hands and feet. But if you go back to that article in 1878, which is still referred to as you know the article about the tennessee wild man it mentions scales and him having to have his skin wet right and that if he wasn't wet it, it caused him a lot of stress you know and he would become agitated and mm-hmm. the water would calm him down also you know if you believe the doctors that examined him saying that this was not a skin condition that they were familiar with and that it appeared to be something he was born with, then you think, well, heck, maybe it was scales. You know, maybe he right. did live in in the water, maybe not under the water, right. but amphibious of maybe. the water. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or, you know, like a like a hippo, mm-hmm. you know, you most of the time you see a hippo they're they're in the water a large part of the time. It right. doesn't necessarily mean it's a fish or anything like that. But, you know, a, a, a mammal type creature that, you know, dwells in and around the water, you know, but maybe not under the water like a whale or a dolphin. Mm-hmm. You know, again, it does. It does sound like it's crazy stretch. Like, OK, now now we've got. You know, we've gone from a Bigfoot kind of creature to, you know, again, the the platypus cryptid. You know, it's got everything going on, Mm -hmm. you know, but 
you can tie these things together. There's there's every little thing we talk about the Tennessee wild man. There's something that would link it with another wild man sighting or or experience somewhere else. Right, somewhere else in the world. There's always some similarities. Either it's the hair or the eyes. In this case, the scale. Um, You know, sometimes it's the physical attributes like um, their their speed and agility or or the loud cry. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's there's connections that can be made with these things. And, And there's so much time between these stories and the the. Um, the era that they come from, you know, and Adam have talked about, has talked about this before that communication over great distances was not easy. Right. So if, if I'm in Tennessee and I have an encounter with something that I believe is a wild man and I'm not sure what it is and somebody else has something out West in, in Nevada or, um, Utah or somewhere like that. The likelihood that our stories are going to be similar because we've heard the other story is very slim. Right. And get slimmer if you go overseas. Yeah. E- yeah. Even more remote. So there is some, in- it's intriguing to me that a lot of these stories are so similar in their descriptions of these creatures. Right, and there there's little things that split it off from, you know, you think, oh, well, that's that's a human, you know. Well, we've got some stories that do line up with that's just a wild human, mm-hmm. the feral human, okay. But then there's other things that split it off from that, and you go, well, no, human wouldn't be that way. You know, human doesn't have red eyes. Human is not going to be fully covered with hair unless it's a... You know, there there are cases of people who have full body hair, you know, all over their faces and everything. But Yeah, like my buddy Joe. Yeah. Man, he takes his shirt off and you're like, why'd you take your shirt off just to put on a sweater? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you got an Argyle sweater on now. <laughs> but, you know, most humans don't have that. Right. And, you know, so then you go, okay, well, is it a Bigfoot? Well, no, because there's these certain little things that are told in the stories that kind of pull it away from the Bigfoot story a little bit. So it kind of narrows it down into this thing where maybe it's its own thing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it could overlap, but, you know, may, maybe it's its own thing. Maybe, I don't know, you know, yeah. but the last story we've got for you is from way, way back. And it comes from the Epic of Gilgamesh. If you don't know what that is, go look it up. You'll, you know. Because Adam's not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you because it would take me six episodes to tell you about the Epic of Gilgamesh. Um, but in the Epic of Gilgamesh, there is a, a, a figure known as Enkidu. Now, in the story of Enkidu, he's a wild man and he was raised by animals and was ignorant of human society until he was bedded by (laughs) Shamat, who is another female character in the story. Oh, Shamat. I mean, (laughs) she's a temptress. She was. Um, He was, I guess, seduced by her, and that's when he started learning about human society. 
Now, Enkidu's name has been interpreted in different ways, you know, identical with the deity Enkimdu, or meaning Lord of the Reed Marsh. So, again, that that's stating that he lives in a marsh area. Yeah, sure. So, we have that tie-in to some of these partially aquatic things with scales. He must have shown up late to the handing out the Lord of. Yeah, you get the... Oh. Here, well, you're the Reed Marsh. You get the Reed Marsh. Yeah. Man. But, I mean, <laughs> unless he was partially scaly and needed to be there. Well, yeah, why not? Maybe maybe that was great then. Yeah. Maybe, maybe everybody wanted to be Lord of the Ring Marsh. Right. Um, but he was apparently... Um, I said Lord of the Ring Marsh. It I just, just kind of flowed like that. <laughs> I just let you do it. You know? <laughs> like Matt's mouth got him in trouble again. <laughs> so... He was apparently a wild man that was created by the god Anu. And some of the other stories about Gilgamesh is that uh, Gilgamesh defeats Enkidu, and so they become friends. And he aids Gilgamesh in killing this divine bull that was sent by the goddess Ishtar. So Enkidu and Gilgamesh become friends, and ends up Gilgamesh teaches him you know, how to become more human and changes him from a wild man that was raised by animals who was crude and unrefined into something a little more civilized. So, I mean, that that's one of the first stories ever of wild men, you know, and it seems to, again, tie in. It's a uncivilized human-like creature that lives in a reed marsh so needs to be partially maybe needs to be partially in the water kind of has some tie-ins to stories we hear up until the 90s yeah yeah so it just it brings up a lot of questions but my my biggest question with all of this is, is, is this even possible? I mean, and, you know, we, we could ask that about everything we talk about. Sure. That's our bread and butter. But man. this this in particular, regardless of what you think it is, there's there's an there's a question that you could say, is that even possible? You know, if if there was an, an ape, an ape like creature living in in the Tennessee mountains or in any of these other areas that we've talked about tonight. Is it possible? I mean, you know, apes are not native to North America. You know, how would they have gotten here? You know, they sure do have a lot of ape-like qualities. Sure. You know, um, but where in the world would this come from? You know, if if you're going to try to give a logical explanation to these things, you know, ape doesn't make sense. No. But the idea of a human being deciding, you know, in the 1800s, 1700s, heck, you know, the 1970s, that I says, I'm just, I'm just going to take off, mm-hmm. you know, 
And I've got to think that it's it's a conscious decision if that's what it is. You know, if somebody was to just randomly get separated from a hiking group or got lost on a hunting trip and just never was able to find their way home, I think they would have died. Sure. You know, this was unexpected. They were unprepared. But somebody that decided, I'm going to leave society behind. And I'm going to go out and I'm just going to, I'm going to live off the land. This Mm -hmm. is how I'm going to live the rest of my life in solitude and, and off the, off the land. That's the way I'm going to be until somebody comes rolling around and, and disturbs. Start shooting a gun at me. Yeah. You know, wants to interfere with my life. You know, my reaction could be, depending on how long I've been out here, one of fear one of protection, you know, mm-hmm. I'm like, get, get off. This is my territory. Right. You need to get out of here, you know, or the fact that if one human saw you, they're going to go back and bring more, you know, so I've got to, I've got to scare them away. Right. You know, Shaggy and Scooby are here. Yeah. I, I've got to do something to scare them away. Right. <laughs> so, um, that seems a little more plausible to me. But but then we start getting into more of a discussion of, well, what about Bigfoot and and the idea that that goes along with what Bigfoot could be, you know, you know, there's a lot of folks that buy into the idea that Bigfoot is, you know, a celestial being, an, an alien or not from this planet, and and even possibly a time traveler, to where. You know they can they can move interdimensionally, mm-hmm. and that's why we don't have dead bodies and things like that because we don't have a lot of dead bodies of wild men either. Right. So that that's the question. I mean, you know, if we're if we're gonna say this was an actual living creature that somebody could actually capture and put on display, what the heck was it? Sure. You know. Was it a human being that had been distorted by time and the elements? Um, you know, was it some kind of weird hybrid? Was it, as Adam said, you know, a, a leftover from the Neanderthal mm-hmm. that had somehow managed to, uh, you know, it would have to be a tribe, I would have assumed, you know, a yeah, group. right. You Small know, that, family group to that live that they're, long. They're going to continue to to reproduce and 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 have offspring, you know, that would span, you know, a period of 75 to a hundred years or more, you know? So, yeah, I mean, well, I just, you know, I just threw that turd out in the punch bowl. I mean, let's talk about it. <laughs> I mean, what, I mean, what could it possibly be? I mean, what's, what's, what's either reasonable or totally unreasonable for this, Adam? Yeah. I mean, I would, you know, if you go off the, all of the stories I lean away from an ape, you know, some type of some type of ape in North America or in Europe or anything like that. You know, it just doesn't seem to fit that mold, even though there are ape like qualities to it. Um, I, you know, myself, like you lean more toward the feral human theory um because i you know there's not when you see them you don't see them in packs of two three four 
whatever. And we even have Bigfoot encounters that have family groups. So, you know, they are seen sometimes in two, three, four. But wild men are never seen that way. Right. Wild men are seen, you know, singularly. And you only maybe see one at a time in an area. And they're not that much bigger than the average human. Six to seven foot, somewhere in there. Um, Like we said, we know people seven foot tall. You know, so I kind of lean, I'm, I'm leaning toward the, we have a feral human situation that would, you know, they are just trying to stay away from society and maybe they do, maybe they went out into society or were shunned out into society because of a genetic defect that they have, because we've had other stories of that happening in history where, you know, people think something's wrong with you or you're possessed by the devil because you have a genetic deformation mm-hmm. and you know maybe these people did have a horrible skin disease yeah. um you know there are there was a family of people and i can't forgive me i can't think of what the um genetic disorder is called but there was a family of people that lived in mexico that had the full body hair um and they actually do perform in the circus and they're like the wolf boys or whatever, you know, maybe that genetic disorder, it's not very common, but if you're talking medieval Europe and somebody has that genetic disorder, they're going to think something's wrong with you, that you're of the devil um, or something like that. And they're going to shun you. Yeah. So that disorder is called Uh, Google hypertrichosis yes or also called werewolf syndrome right yeah i mean it's it's rare and um this one i'm reading says that it's it has fewer than 100 cases documented worldwide however there's at least 100 cases of this that are known and documented that we've documented and and so if you think if if it's around now where there's modern day people that suffer with this Mm -hmm. why would it be unreasonable to think that a hundred or even 200 years ago that there were people that had the same problem sure and we know that as intolerant as human beings can be now Mm -hmm. you know they were much more intolerant to differences 200 years ago yeah and so i think adam makes a legitimate point you know somebody that's different genetically would be shunned or cast out sure and forced to live in the woods right you know for for lack of you know anyone being accepting enough to take them in yeah and let you know if if you were shunned to the woods and you know separated from your family and and your community forced you out into the woods and you moved so that you were as far away from them as you could get you know you would hold a grudge against humanity i would assume yeah um and you got to a, another city or area that didn't know of you because like we said communication doesn't travel that quick and somebody saw you they would assume you were a creature or something non-human depending on how long you'd been out there you may have not been used to speaking to people and wouldn't want to talk to him you still holding a grudge for being cast out so you're going to be angry you may try to attack them 
to get them out of your area or for revenge or whatever. And that's just, to me, that's the most logical, you know, thought is that it was an, an outcast because we only see them, you know, in very few number. Yeah. And no family groups and they had some form of language. You know, even in the 1800s, when they captured the guy and they said he muttered when he was by himself. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, he's talking to himself. Maybe it's maybe he's from a different country and happened to make his way into the United States. And sure, you're not going to know his language, mm-hmm. you know, because you didn't study that language or you're not from where he's from. So you're going to think it's some, you know, unintelligible speech, though it's. It's human speech. You just don't understand it. And no, he's not going to talk to you. Why would he talk to you? You right. know, he's mad at you. Yeah. Human beings, you know, ruin my life. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I don't know. That That's my theory. Yeah. And, and I think it's a good one. And I, I go along with that, too. But there's still the idea that these sightings, these creatures are either somewhat related to Bigfoot or they are Bigfoots and maybe just a little bit different, you know, maybe they're cast out from Bigfoot communities. <laughs> maybe so. You know? You're the, you know, if you get cast out of a Bigfoot community, you know, there's a problem. Well, it's because you, know? you got small feet and they're like, That's, no, we can't. Yeah, you got to have big feet. You know, uh, we, we, we got a little foot in the mix. We got to send him out to the woods, you know, or <laughs> further into the woods or something. Yeah. So there's there's a bunch of little feet running around. That was a good movie, by the way. Did you ever see Smallfoot or was no. it Smallfoot or Littlefoot? No, I hadn't seen that. Oh, God. You got to see that. We we took Michael to see that. That's great. That's great. I've I've heard of it. I just hadn't seen it. Yeah, it was great. Um, but I digress. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so, I mean, there's, there's still that hanging out there, you know, that could it, could it be a Bigfoot relative? Could it be Bigfoot? You know, if you guess you got to believe in Bigfoot to believe in that. Um, but you know, there's, there's so much evidence of, of Bigfoot sightings, you know, it could be, you know, it could, could be a weird hybrid. What if it's a weird human Bigfoot hybrid? You know, somebody got, you know, jiggy with a Bigfoot and mm-hmm. now we've got this, you know. No, 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 Yeah. No, 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 These weird hairy kids running around. Getting biggie know? with it. That's right. Um, but, you know, who knows? We don't know. And like Adam said, we we may not ever know. We're just pitching this out, you know, giving you this idea and telling you these stories so you can form your own opinion. Yeah, and um, then tell us your opinion, because like always, we want to hear that's it. That's right. And and for, you know, for some of our listeners that, that grew up in, in East Tennessee or in some of these areas where wild men sightings have been reported, uh, you may know more and you may have some more interesting stories or even facts to share. So please do. Yes. Um, we're always looking for your stories um because a lot oftentimes they're the best mm-hmm. you know they're they're the ones that you know fill in a lot of the gaps so yeah i mean if you've had a wild man experience you've had 
maybe grandparents or great grandparents that shared stories of, of wild men living in the mountains or the woods around where you grew up or where you've lived. Let us know. And we don't we mean Uncle Jim. That's right. Not your crazy Uncle Jim that lives out in the, the shack behind Man, your grandparents' house. Jim was wild. Yeah. I watched him drink a case of beer and set his foot on fire mm-hmm. and he did a dance and Man, climbed a tree. And- I saw him tear through a case of wild turkey one night. <laughs> Went out and caught him a wild turkey with a bare hand. I tell you what, <laughs> caught a wild turkey on wild turkey. That's a feat. Old Jim was a wild man. <laughs> well, Adam, I think that's all I've got. Yeah, on, uh, we're just going wild man. We're just gonna sit here and stare at one another yeah. and, and make jokes. We'll just ramble for the next thirty minutes, <laughs> <laughs> cracking jokes about our Uncle Jim. That's right. Okay, so. Adam and I would like to thank our sponsor, Care of. So please go check them out. Um, as Adam said at the beginning of the show, it it helps keep the show going, um, and, and it helps Adam and I make the show better. Um, go check out our website, graveyardpodcast.com. Of course, on our website, you can listen to the show. You can find links to purchase our merchandise. Uh, and you can become a patron. And Adam and I want to thank everyone that has donated to the show. Um, it 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 really really keeps us going and helps us make this show even better. Absolutely. Um, check us out on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And please rate and review us on iTunes. That helps us get up the charts. And it helps people come to the graveyard easier. Mm-hmm. All right. So until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon. Yeah.